Stay fly. And we're live. He says they've become no more than belated beasts or burdens. And we're live. There are reasons why certain classes who are more or less independent take no part in politics since they say they get nothing out of such in the way of material gain. And we're live. This is no less than a political slave since they refuse to voice their sentiments at the polls. And we're live. Another form of political slavery, which is probably more prevalent. You're listening to The Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Ernie Thomas here on the Vol School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Varner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, subscribe, and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. And we're live. And we're live. Peace, salute, honors, give thanks, blessings, bless up. Amen. Ashe. All that good stuff. It's your man, DJ Seiko Varner. It's time for another episode of the Fly Guys Show. And look, the Fly Guys Show is a pretty interesting show, if I do say so myself. All right. The Fly Guys Show is a series of melanated conversations for based on practical consciousness to solve problems in our community. So it features your man, DJ Seiko Varner, and a host of other platformers. Our podcast gives you stuff you need to know with an underlying focus on melanated economics and politics. So join us tonight as we discuss uplift, conscious consumerism, business activity, social progress, community activism with fellow investors, educators, business people, authors, content creators, and community activists. Tonight, we're going to have a really great show. We have a great good brother. Peace, Raheem. My dude, Raheem Shabazz. He's the uh, he's the conscious filmmaker and journalist who started the Elementary Genocide docuseries. And so how are you doing tonight, Raheem? I'm doing great. I'm just happy to be here and be able to raise the vibrational pitch of our people, brother. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. Hey, we have a couple of fly folk Fly folk are checking in there, the listeners, the watchers, the supporters of the Fly Guy Show. Uh, 83 Aborigines says they spent eight years in prison. Wow. Okay. So we'll be talking and chatting with some of the fly folks. And my center started before he was 21 years of age. Had he knew then what he knows now? Yes, sir. I'm glad that you know now, brother. I know that you, I'm glad you know now. Oh, we have Sister Poole in the house. What's up, Queen? I always get excited when I see this sister. I know it's going to be on top. Hey, lover boy Troy. Peace, God. How you doing? All right. We got Brooklyn in the house. Yo, I was born in Brooklyn. I know you from NYC too, right, Raheem? Absolutely. I'm from Hustlin' Harlem. Hustlin' Harlem. Well, you know, Brooklyn keeps on making it. I mean, taking it. I mean, not even faking it. We just shaking it, baking it. (laughs) Yo, so, hey, I want to get right into the conversation, man. So, um, Raheem, your your documentary, documentary series is called Elementary Genocide, and it deals with the school to prison pipeline, correct? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Good stuff, bro. Good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and get right into it, man. Tell us a little bit about your docu-series, and then we'll just get into a little nice little chat going on. Yeah, the docu-series is a three-part edition. 
And one of the things that I initially set out to do was just to do one documentary, and that was the School to Prison Pipeline. And when I was doing the research on it, I found that there was a need to do another documentary because you can't put all the information in an hour and 30 minutes. You know, due to the time restraint, we had to do another documentary. But initially starting out, um, with my research, I found out that the government and the school system are using third and fourth grade reading levels to determine how many prisons they're going to build in the next 10 to 15 years. Wow. And if you're not reading on grade level, by the time you're in the third or fourth grade, there's a 75% chance you're going to end up in jail. And what they essentially do is they um, sell these jail cells on the stock market. So once I did that, um, it was a big success and going around the country and speaking. Um, I was in contact with several other individuals that was on the ground and was drawn to this subject matter. And they was telling me that, you know, there's a phenomenon going on that is not just young black males, that is also female. So they had... You know, I did more research, and what I discovered was that there was an 800% increase in the last 30 years of incarceration females. So I wanted to include that in my second documentary. But what I wanted to do more than anything, I wanted to go back to the landmark ruling of Brown versus Board of Education and ask the proverbial question, has integration done us more harm than good? So we know the answer to that because we live in with the results of that. So that was the second documentary, which is called The Board of Education versus The Board of Incarceration. And the third and final one is Academic Holocaust, Elementary Genocide 3. And in that particular documentary, I knew it was going to be my last documentary in this series. And I wanted to talk about how the assassination of your mind, the assassination of your critical thinking is no different than the assassination of black bodies by state execution that's being done in the streets and that we are witnessing all across America. Ashe, Ashe. And you got a chance to work with some heavyweights, man. You have Shaharazad Ali, that was in number three, correct? Absolutely, yeah, that's correct. All right. You had uh, Umar Johnson, Dr. Umar Johnson. And I had Voice Watkins, I had Supreme Understanding, I had Killer Mike, David Ben, Akaba Kenny, Professor James Small, Zaza Ali, Kalanji Changa, Daruba Ben Wahad. I got uh, Dr. Francis Press Wells and our Queen Mother, um, Tracy Sidefax. I got uh, Professor Ed Garns, um, Dr. Uh, Kalila, um, oh, Ali, just so many, so many known and unknown individuals in there. Wow. What was the first one like, though, man? What, what was it like putting together that first one? I think you had Umar, you had Dr. Boyce, and you had Killer Mike. And this is before most cats knew that Killer Mark was, uh, Killer Mike was the Killer Mike that we all know now, you know? Yeah, the first one, it, it, it was definitely a labor ball. Um, I think I put my all into it because, you know, sometimes you only get one chance. And um, 
right now that is the uh, best selling documentary out of the series you know um, and I think the reason why it's the best selling oh, oh the reason why I think the best selling is because um, it was almost like a shock value to people people right. didn't believe that something like this existed and um, the inf- it's definitely information packed and I think when other people started talking about it, it gave it more validation. You know, um, for instance, Tracy Sofax is one of the individuals that's in the documentary, and he was nominated for a Champion of Change Award uh, by Obama. Went to the White House, um, visited Obama, spoke about reentry, school to prison pipeline, and that was actually on their website, and it talked about the documentary. A couple of months after that, uh, President Obama gave a State of the Union speech where he talked about the school-to-prison pipeline. So it, it definitely had a lot of effect, and um, it, it was seen and heard all around the world. And it gave me the opportunity to do two and then three. That's what's up. That's what's up. Uh, uh, Queen Poole, I love this sister. Queen Poole says, where can we find them? So I'm going back to the website very quickly. So I know that people can go to your website, right? What else can they do to get these documentaries? All right. For those that want to get it as quickly as possible, you can go to the website. The website ships out within 24 hours of you placing your order. And that website is elementarygenocide.com. If you want to get it from Amazon, it's available on Amazon. If you want to stream it, you can stream uh, Elementary Genocide 1 on Amazon. And if you want to stream 1, 2, and 3, you can stream that on uh, Quali TV. And that's, uh, most people like to say it's the uh, Black Netflix. And that's a site that's owned by our dear sister, uh, Deshauna. And it's a very good website. So, Quali TV, if you want to stream it, uh, if you want to buy Elementary Genocide, and if you prefer uh, Amazon, you can get it on Amazon. All right, that's what's up. You also have a podcast I want to shout out before we really dive into this conversation. Tell us about Necessary Blackness. Yeah, Necessary Blackness podcast is a podcast I started actually next week, Wednesday. We'll be uh, broadcasting our 100th episode. Wow. Yeah, we reached that milestone of 100 episodes. Uh, The podcast is basically for and about black people. And it's, you know, for those who have love and appreciation for black culture. And we talk about everything from politics to health and whatever's going on in black society. And um, it's definitely 100% unapologetic and pro-black. You will not hear or see anybody featured on there that is not a melanated being. (laughs) That's what's up. That's what's up. Hey, I want to bring into the conversation Queen Shay all day. What's up, Queen Shay? How you doing, Queen? And Queen is muted. Let's see if we can unmute her very quickly. What's good, Queen? How you doing? (laughs) Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So uh, uh, it's time for us. How are you? Oh, can you put on your headphones? Hear a little echo there. Now, we have to do our disclaimer. 
when we use the term black, we're not stupid. We're not talking about a skin color proper. We're not talking about a planet, a nation, a city, a state, a town called black. We're not saying that. Um, we're not talking about. Uh, oh man, there's a whole lot of stuff we're not talking about. We use this as a commonly used term to talk about African people, people of African descent, Aboriginal people, Indigenous people, first people on the planet. So for those of us, us, for those of us who are not as uh, flexible with those terms, we understand that and we love you. For those of us who are flexible with the terms, it's always good to have you in the spot and peace to the fly folk for having you there. So with that being said, let me see what these comments, because we're going to have comments that are coming in throughout the whole talk. Yo, Sarah Poole says, hey, Shay. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to say that Aborigine, 83 Aborigine said, going to prison saved their life. While in there, they learned how to, you know, how to contract and volunteer and they did a lot of great things so brother Raheem I know you had a problem and you had experience with the belly of the beast yourself right uh, yeah I was in uh, incarcerated in New York State for uh, six years uh, six summers seven winters and um, there's no rehabilitation there um, and I, I know from experience and other people's experience that a lot of people think that you go to jail and you're going to get rehabilitated. You have to rehabilitate your mind. Can't no social program do that. Can't the parole board can't do that. You have to do that yourself. So with my journey and in being incarcerated, when I went in, I was the victim of the school to prison pipe. <laughs> mm. Um, didn't have a GED. I got my GED within 30 days of being incarcerated. Um, I wound up going to college while I was in there. I graduated 13 days before I got released. Wow. I graduated in the top 5% of my class. And to be honest, I got a degree in human service, right? I never even put it in a frame. I still got it in the yellow envelope. Never took it out. Never used it. And... The reason being is because I knew then, like I know now, oh man, this phone, I knew then, like I know now, that I would never, ever work for anybody. I don't like to be told what to do. I am my own boss. <laughs> and um, one thing that I can say about going to uh, college while incarcerated is that it gave me more than enough time to think, more than enough time to uh, study, and just educate myself outside in college and outside of college. You know, um, and most people get that education when they in jail. You know, it, it was like Malcolm X. Some of our greatest leaders um, got educated behind the wall, in the belly of the beast. It's, and that, and to be honest with you, that is where some of our fighters is at. I say, well, I'm glad you out, brother. You out and doing some big things, doing some great things. And so now let's kind of dive into this prison. I mean, uh, school to prison pipeline piece, man. Oh, I definitely want to say one thing, though. Uh, you graduated in the top 5% of your class, and you are a God body, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Top 5%, and I am the 5% before writing the teacher. And another thing I want to say... Um, I came home January 13th, 2000. 
been 18 years. Yeah, 18 years. It's been 18 years wow. since I've been home. I have had no interaction with law enforcement, and I don't plan to. Okay. Uh, Queen Queen Poole asks a great question. Inside the belly of the beast, while you're incarcerated, are men forced to choose a religion? Can you repeat that question again? Your phone breaking up. Oh, okay. I said, when you were locked up, when men are locked up, are they forced to choose a religion? I said, were you forced to choose a religion? Oh, no, nah, I was never forced to uh, choose a religion. And uh, I, I, I have been a, a member of the nation of God's earth since I was 13 years. So I am who I am. I serve Lord and Master. So when I went in there, yeah, who I was, and when I came out, that's who I was. Um, some people, when they are uh, incarcerated, you know, they look to something outside of themselves to uh, some type of solitude, and um, that that wasn't my path. Um, and they don't force religion upon you. A lot of people, you see it as a means to an end. Myself, I knew that any problem that I face in the past and in the future that I have to deal with it, it myself for outside entity are forced to uh, overcome any obstacle. So religion was a no-no for me. You know, I look to the guidance, to the wisdom of my, and just, you know, in who I am, I figure it out. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Queen Shay all day in the house with us. Uh, Shay, I know that you're passionate about education, and I'm echoing a little bit. Why is there a prison, a school to prison pipeline in your in your understanding? Hold on one minute. I don't know if it's me, but sister, do you hear him? Because it sounds real, real top. I can hear him. There's a bit of a um, kind of like a reverb, but I can right. hear him. Okay, so uh, ooh, it must yeah, be me with that. I'm gonna try, um, try to see if I can hear your question again. All right, the question was, why is there a school to prison pipeline? So, I don't know. You said, "Why is this?" Yeah, he was asking, like, what causes the school to prison pipeline? Well, the school to prison pipeline is caused essentially by rich white oligarchs who are in control of the school board, in control of the school system, who are in control of the resources that are allotted to our community and they know that it's a um, it's a money market and when you look at how initially the school to prison pipeline started you have to go back to the 1850s 
where they had compulsory school. And it wasn't until um, the 1880s where it was one small t- town in Massachusetts, uh, actually Cape, that compulsory school. And what the day, what was the uh, militia came and they was armed, armed and they children with guns pointed to the to actually school. So the reason for this being is that they, they wanted them to be socialized. In other words, they wanted to be a part of the consumer class. And they taught them, the, and that's where the curriculum come from, like today where it's mostly teaching you how to be part of the social order as opposed to being an independent thinker. So that is... The um the initial start of the school to prison pipeline. Okay, good. So mm-hmm. so that's how it got started. How did everything you just say? How did that lead to people? You know, our people getting locked up. How the school situation leads to imprisonment. Like, so how does that lead to our people being locked up? So um, a lot of a lot of that is accurate. There was just an article out about the textbooks that are being used in California and Texas. So there was just an article out about the explanations given in the curriculum textbooks. And so one of the things is our our curriculum and our textbooks are heavily influenced by, um, I would say, white nationalists, white supremacists. Um, After the Civil War, the Daughters of the American Revolution put out a lot of material there were a lot of white, uh, the Citizens Council, for example. It's not the same as the KKK. They're actually still around under a different name. Just found out about them, I think, last week, the week before. Citizens Council uh, put out educational materials. When integration happened, two things happened. One, uh, a lot of a lot of white families went to church schools and private schools. And in the church schools and private schools, they kept teaching what they had been teaching. And you can't teach the history of the United States accurately and expect everybody to kind of continue to believe um, the same thing. And so they, they teach the whitewash version of history. Um, and then with segregation, we lost a lot of our black teachers. We lost a lot of our black academia and they were replaced by white teachers who had already had a warped view of black Americans who weren't interested in teaching black children, who saw black children as a problem. And so our kids come into school and it's still going on. All of the research shows this bias towards black children. Um, if you see two kids acting out, guess who they're going to think did it? It's the black kid. Um, And so our kids are facing some serious obstacles. They're coming from an under-resourced background because of our history. So a lot of times um, they're not prepared for the academic setting. Um, They might be coming from traumatic backgrounds, again, unprepared for the academic setting, and the teachers don't care. They just expect them to sit and do whatever unrealistic things they think five, six, seven, eight-year-olds should be doing. We assume that kids should be able to read by age five and six when the actual average reading age is from three to eight. And so what happens when you have a whole group of kids in school 
who feel alienated because while the teachers might not say it, the kids can feel it, that there's a difference in the treatment. Um, they're not doing as well as the white students. They're not treated as well as the white students. And so we have self-esteem crisis. And I think that's a lot of what it is. The kids start acting out. They find their identity through being aggressive, through living up to the label of being bad. And it's it's a box. It's like we put them like um, like brother like the brother was saying, it's a mindset issue because we're put into a cultural box and not given the freedom to be yourselves. So when you hear things like you're talking white, you're acting white, black people don't do this, black people don't do that, that's a box. And that box often leads to an actual cell. Wow. Wow. Hey, we had brother uh, Frederick Jones L who tapped in. What's up, brother? How you doing? Peace. What's going on, good brother? All right. So we're discussing the school to prison pipeline, man. What are your thoughts on this, bro? Wow. Um, great discussions. Uh, uh, great points made by the sister uh, and by the brother. So, excuse me. So, my thoughts on the whole um, school to prison pipeline is I think that we have to look at the music. I'm not sure if, if if anybody brought that point up, but when you look at when the whole uh, privatization of prisons came about, if I'm not mistaken, it came about during the administration. Yeah, that came about during the administration of Ronald Reagan. And we know that during the 80s, this is when you start to see a lot of what we call gangster rap today, West Coast gangster rap. When you look at some of those groups in the 80s and you start to see the culture moving towards a, a like where they're celebrating where they're celebrating crime in the neighborhood, prison, going to jail. So around this time, this is when, again, you see the privatization of prisons happen. And you see that this was like, you know, when the crack epidemic came about, so when you put it all together, you see who they're targeting. They're targeting our youth, you see. And um, and this may be a little bit off the point, but when we also look at um, how the whole prison thing really started to be uh, something formidable, you got to look at the 13th Amendment, where it talks about involuntary servitude being abolished except for when one has been duly con convicted of committing a crime. Then after that, you see the Vagrancy Act of 1866 and the 13th Amendment is 1865. So the Vagrancy Act of 1866 is when they could deem you a vagrant or a wanderer and then force you into labor, force you back into slavery. So I would say it has some of its roots uh, uh, in that, if that's a relevant portion. And with that, I yield the floor. All right, uh, 
83 Aborigine. Uh, that's a good brother. I've listened to a lot of his podcasts. He mentioned to go read the 14th Amendment. So I think that's something we need to bring into the mix, that 14th Amendment. And I'm not necessarily sure. I haven't read the 14th Amendment, so I'm not sure I exactly what his point is. I think he means the 13th Amendment because the 14th Amendment gave ex-slaves citizenship rights. And it also brought all of the states that was in rebellion during the Civil War, it brought them back into the constitutional fold of government. So I think he means the 13th Amendment. All right. Okay. So, uh, Shay, you, what about the school to home pipeline? We got to flip it like mofos be flipping them packs. <laughs> Salute to Shay, you. Uh, speaking of Shay, you, <laughs> Shay, I know that you're really passionate about homeschooling. So, uh, is that one of the strategies we can use? Please, please, and thank you. Please, and yes. Um, and I think it's just a lot of people don't know about. A lot of people don't know about it, one. A lot of people don't trust that they can educate their own children. Um, there's also a state issue. It depends on the state you're in. So we're in Virginia, and Virginia is really relaxed um, to some extent about homeschooling. You have to do two things. Let them know at the beginning of the year, do proof of progress at the end of the year. New York, on the other hand, New York requires like a full curriculum and like quarterly progress with like it's it's a whole nother level. But I would still encourage anybody to look into it. California will pay you to homeschool. Uh, I don't even know how that they're not the only state either. There's another one. California. Yeah. California pays their homeschooling families. They get they get state funds to be able to school, to educate their children, which to me makes perfect sense. Your tax, your tax money goes into public education. Public education isn't serving a good number of our kids. You should be allowed to take that out. I also think we need to start looking into building more community schools, places that are local in the community, focused on educating the student, and where we're sharing resources so it's affordable for everybody. Shay, you also brought up a point. She was saying that her child is gifted and the, the teachers didn't know what to do with that. Most, I would say most teachers don't understand the diversity of humanity. Like, they don't understand child development and they don't understand that gifted kids doesn't just mean you're going to be good at everything. It doesn't mean you're going to sit. It definitely doesn't mean you're going to sit still. Um, and just knowing like the differences among kids and how they learn. And that's something we got to start recognizing ourselves that our kids are intelligent and it might not show the way that we were told it would. So these kids, again, come out thinking they're dumb. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Oh, Brother Raheem, I know you're having some problems. Yeah, I'm back. Uh, you're back. Okay, so look, man, let's take. Let's go back to elementary genocide one. All right, so you got Dr. Umar, you got Dr. Boyce Watkins, you got Killer Mike. What are some of the points that they were making in that first documentary? Well, Killer Mike, he went back to slavery. We talked about back in the day, it was about cotton. But the cotton is brown now. And the cotton is black people. Um, one of the things that Umar was um, real admin about is that us as black people, 
that we're the only race of people that allow open enemies to teach us. So that was one of the things that we had uh, Brother Ed Gons, Professor Ed Gons, he talked about how there's a need for black teachers. Because during the time before integration, there was over 80,000 black teachers. And when they integrated, what they essentially did was integrated the students and not the teachers. So therefore, those that had our best interest at heart was no longer there. And we was being taught by our enemy. But I want to go back and um, I want to talk about the sister statement where she talked about homeschooling. Homeschooling is the number one emotion. There is virtually no school to put in pipeline when you look at those who are homeschooled because there's no police. And those that are homeschooled have a higher uh, academic achievement rate. And she's right. In certain states, they do give you a sedative uh, tax uh, credit for you to homeschool. Um, the other state that you that you didn't mention is Utah. In Utah, they pay you to homeschool. And I think what we got to do is we got to look at those states that have lax uh, legislation, lax laws and procedures, and look at what it took for them to be able to become a state that homeschool is readily accepted. And we need to mirror what they're doing in those states. I know here in Atlanta, it's very simple. Um, the number one problem that I hear is I don't have t- enough time. There's not enough time in the day to do it. But here in Atlanta, what you can do is you get to pick the hours. Um, so if you work in the morning, you can do it in the afternoon. If you work in the afternoon, you can do it at night. Um, a lot of people think that homeschooling is being confined in a classroom uh, with four walls. If you take your child on a field trip or you take them to the grocery store and you teaching them about cooking, school, and measurements and different things like that, that's homeschooling. Any life lesson that is learned and taught to a child is homeschooling. So throughout your walk of life, whether you know it or not, you're homeschooling. What you gotta do is you just have to do it in um, an environment that's conducive to your child. Uh, it should be an Afrocentric uh, curriculum because w- w- what is happening is is that our worldview is not being expressed. Uh, you have curriculums that are culturally biased and don't reflect the overall view of the children, so therefore there's a lack of interest. You know, when you deal with education, there's intent and there's content. And if your intention is not to teach and nurture that child with the proper content being an Afrocentric uh, curriculum, then you might as well put them back in, in the uh, public school system and, and, and continue to let these devils teach them. Now, before um, I go, I, I want to um, let everybody know about the correlation because you hear the word school to prison pipeline and most people talk about our young kids being ushered from 
the schoolyard to the prison yard, right? But this correlation is bigger than that because when you look at the makeup of the teachers, right? 75% of them are predominantly white females, right? And out of that 75%, 25% of them are married to law enforcement officers. So here it is, you have the white female that mentally miseducates you, and then you have the white male that uh, physically locks you up. So this is the correlation right then and there. Then you want to go a step further. If your son or daughter is in New York State or New York City, the New York State teachers' pension, $17 million of that is invested in the school to prison pipeline. So the correlation is right there. And nothing that I said in the last three to four minutes that I've been talking cannot be verified on Google. So don't take my word for it. You can go do the research on this yourself. Interesting, interesting. I love when somebody comes with the seat. <laughs> I love when somebody comes with the seat. So, uh, Brother Frederick, man, Frederick Jones L, man, what are you thinking after you hear all those receipts that Raheem just brought? Um, I think it's very interesting. I wasn't aware of those statistics that he gave relative to the gender of the teachers and what their relation is with um, law enforcement individuals. Now, was it were those numbers nationwide, or was that just the state of New York? I think I missed that part. Oh, no, those uh, the numbers when I talk about um, 75% of, of white teachers, that's nationwide. And with wow. 25% of them being married to law enforcement officers, that's nationwide. Yeah, man, and that's great information. I wasn't aware of that. That's good to know. Yeah. Jay, uh, your thoughts. You just he uh, the brother just added some context to some things that we've been talking about. Um, how does that impact what you were saying earlier? Um, I had like I knew the I knew the teacher statistic um, just from being in education. And honestly, if you go into a school, most schools are uh, mostly white teachers. And Kafir. Kefra is saying that most saying that a lot of retired retired cops are also teachers, so that's an interesting aspect. Um, I think school in general is very authoritarian. I think America in general is very authoritarian, and I think that is very much rooted in our history of oppression and slavery. It's um, do what I tell you to do. And this that's how people raise their kids. That's how people expect to the kids in school to behave. One of the main reasons that black students get suspended is insubordination. Insubordination means I told you to do something and you didn't do it. And so kids are racking up suspensions and disciplinary referrals for trying to express themselves. And when you have a human spirit, which is meant to be expressed, and you keep shutting it down, and unfortunately, a lot of times they get shut down at home because of the family's own lack of understanding and trauma and history, um, you get anger. 
you get anger. And so it's it's a bad combination. It's a it's a boiling combination of ridiculousness. Um, and the teachers that are, are looking at the curriculum, they don't see anything wrong with it. They don't see that it's white supremacy curriculum, white nationalism curriculum, because that's the same thing they grew up with. And it was okay for them. Why? Because they're white. That's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. So what do we do about this? What do we do about this? All right. I think the first thing that we got to do is we got to realize that what is happening is not something that's new. What is happening is something that uh, been happening for time now. Um, it's just the players are new. Um, the way that they code their language is new. You know, um, like the sister talked about how uh, school is authoritative, right? So they have a thing called willful defiance, which goes up under the uh, zero tolerance, right? And willful defiance is pretty much when a teacher says, sit down. And you know, you might, why I got to sit down, but you're on your way to sit down. You, you was in defiance of what she told you to do, whether it was right or wrong. And that right there could get you sent to the uh, principal's office. Um, and I, I think that in every school district, there needs to be a uniform way of dealing with you. Um, you can't have it where in certain states, these are the rules and these are the regulations. And you see across the board that those that uh, have policies in place where school to prison pipelines are um, expensive and explosion is not at the top of the chain that children are competing uh, academically as opposed to those where you know three out of five are actually being suspended three out of five are actually being referred to the juvenile uh, uh, justice so um, to answer your question the solution is, number one, if you're in a position to homeschool your kids. Uh, if you're not in a position, uh, you got to realize that school doesn't begin at 8 o'clock in the morning when the bell rings and it doesn't end at 3 p.m. If you have to send them to public school, you still homeschool them when they get home from school. Um, another thing is a lot of people look to the federal government. Right. The federal government really doesn't have a lot to do with it. Everything starts on a local level. And if you understand that all politics is local, your local congressmen, uh, those are the ones that you can directly get at and that can make change it, it changes in your geographical area and your location. If you're a parent, get involved in the, uh, the parent association. Because a lot of people that sit on the school board, they come from the PTA. You know, um, a lot of us parents, I'm talking to, they tell you when the next Jay-Z concert or Beyonce concert is, but they can't tell you when the next school board is. And, and, and that's important. So once you get on the school board, you're able to pick who's going to be the... Um, the supervisor, um, the superintendent, not the supervisor, superintendent of the school. 
The superintendent is the one that hires the principals. The principals is the one that hires the teachers. So once again, this is all politics. And what we have to do is, you know, this is our community. We can come in and make these changes. And it starts by being on the PTA meeting, being a part of the PTA, uh, electing who the superintendent is going to be. The superintendent is in charge of hiring the principals. The principal is in, in charge of hiring teachers. And if you got everybody that's on the same brain wavelength and that's about freedom, justice, and equality and black empowerment, then you can make changes within your small locale, your small district. And that's, that's just the start of it. And, and, and that's not even a radical change. That's a change that could be done within the next three to five years. But we don't have three to five years. But remember, they are able to look at the reading scores by the time you're in the third or fourth grade. But we know that the school-to-prison pipeline begins when a young child steps foot in school. So the school-to-prison pipeline begins long before that. So we don't have three to five years. We have right now. And right now, what we got to do is we got to hold to our kids. And we do that before they even go to preschool. There's um, a certain amount of words that the preschoolers should know before they walk in the door on the first day. Uh, Black uh, and young toddlers are 25% below that mark. So this is before they even walk in preschool now. So you can't blame the system on that. You know what I mean? That should have been done as, at home. But another thing is the words that they do learn at home and what they're going to learn in school are culturally different, are culturally biased. So they had a disadvantage. That's where we got to have black teachers come in that speak our language that comes from our cultural background and know certain words that we use that are not really used in in the school system. And and it's just, it's really mind-boggling, right? When you think about sending your child to school to learn about adverbs and pronouns and punctuation and how to speak uh, the language, right? And this same queen, uh, Elizabeth, uh, that y'all want the students to speak the language of is the same queen that commissioned Christopher Columbus. <laughs> you know what I mean? So th- all of this man, is connected. You know, when you send your kids to a school named Robert E. Lee, a <laughs> uh, uh, soldier or uh, sergeant in the Confederate Army. I forget what his ranking was. Yeah. <laughs> a general, right? General Robert E. Lee. Yeah, he was a general. But we sent our kids to a school named Robert E. Lee. Hey, <laughs> learn. But, you know, in Atlanta, you know, they got Benjamin E. Mays. They got... um. What's the brother? Uh, Carter, uh, Carter G. Woodson. Uh, they they got they got some black schools here, you know. Yeah. I mean? um, but just the, that's a first step, and that means a lot. 
You know what I mean? When you go to a school uh, such as Benjamin E. Mays, or you go to a school, even Martin Luther King, you know, uh, Malcolm X, you know, there's a Malcolm X charter school. So there's a lot that can be changed. And um, I think now more than ever that um, parents are making to change and, and we're seeing the progress, especially in this generation. This generation, they with the shits. Right, and they they are not uh turning to other cheek. Um when when you talk about willful defiant, they are very defiant and speak the truth about what and they don't hold their tongue. And we need that because you can't you know what I mean, you can't be soft. You can't be playing with these people, you know. Um I'ma let somebody else speak because I can go on and on and on. Well, you know, one of the great things is, bro, one of the great things is you put out the documentary, you put out one, you put out two, you put out three. So you already did the hard work. You distributed the hard work. You put together a nice package. People can go to your website, Elementary Genocide, and they can download, I mean, stream, you know, episode one, episode two, episode three. The information is out there. Now we have to find some great ways to disrupt that school to prison pipeline. So I'm going to defer to Shay. Shay, what are some other ways? And then I want to get, you know, Brother Jones Ellen. What are some other ways that we can end and, you know, close this pipeline? I'm going to piggyback on Brother Shabazz. Um, it starts in the community, it starts local. And the problem is we have a separation of. Um, those who read and know and learn and understand and those who are unaware and ignorant. And so it's up to those who know to start reaching out and finding out how to reach those who don't know. Um, One of the things our organization is going to start doing is having um, informational meetings. I know a lot of parents have questions about reading, uh, what he said about preschool, And the language and the vocabulary is a huge issue. And parents don't understand the importance of just talking to your children. Not like they're adults, but like when my three-year-old says something, we have a whole conversation about it. I ask him questions. I give him new knowledge. I build on what he's saying. And so that's how you teach kids to be a part of their environment, to actively engage. And they can be rebellious and be rebellious respectfully because they know who they are and they know what they deserve. They deserve to be treated well. And so when they go to school and teachers are yelling and cussing at them, they don't have to take that because they already know how to be treated well. And we need to learn that from the home and everybody needs to get on the same page with that. Um, I'm going to big up a podcast for those interested in homeschooling and unschooling. There's a podcast called The Fair of the Free Child. Well worth the checkout. Well worth the checkout. Brother Jones, I know that you're coming from an MST perspective, man. So, you know, what are your thoughts on how we can come to some solutions? Yes, uh, truly. So, uh, the brother uh, Raheem Shabazz kind of touched on some of what I was going to say um, when he spoke of the fact that well, these wasn't his exact words, but the reality of it is that most parents aren't going to do homeschooling. So even though our children are in these institutions, uh, children in the community, 
we still should be teaching them some things at home, giving them the alternative history, because we know in these schools, they're getting half truths, you know, they're getting one sided history. So we need to be filling in some of the missing pieces at home. You know, we need to be making them aware of some things. And then, of course, the homeschooling is uh, a plus. And then the brother also mentioned being involved in the community. And I think uh, during the last show that we were on, um, I spoke about uh, founder of the Moore Science Temple. And not to make this about that, you know, I don't want to muddy the waters, but founder of the Moore Science Temple of America, Prophet Noble Juali, spoke of um, being a faithful member of society, being involved in the community, going to your local uh, city council meeting, going to your community advisory board, going to the town hall meeting, going to the uh, board of education meetings, just being involved in the community and addressing what your gripes are. Because we must remember, these people on these school boards, these people who sit on these city councils, these uh, local politicians, whether they're local mayors or city uh, aldermen, these are public servants. They swear an oath on the federal and the various state constitutions. All right. And we know that this is a government by the people for the people. So somebody who is a sworn public official, they're swearing to do the work or the job of the people. The constituents are who they work for. So we really need not to take that lightly and to be involved. It's very, very important. And I think that the brother kind of touched on some of that. And, you know, just to give an example, like if some of the things that are done in our communities, if if some of these things were to happen in like a small town in Iowa somewhere or in like Missouri, yo, they will have a town hall meeting and in 24 hours, some of that stuff will be over with. They don't pull nearly some of the stuff out there in some of these towns that they pull in places where we live, whether it's a small town, whether it's a city. And I think it's because not enough of us are involved. You know, like here where I am, in Atlantic City, they're trying to change the city government from an eight panel city council with a city council president where the mayor is elected at large to a five panel city council where the mayor is selected uh, every two years by that five panel city council. And we're having a town hall meeting about it tomorrow. So we're going to get involved. And I think that this is what needs to be done. And um, the last thing to say on that is we must step up and be active when it comes to this issue or all issues that that affect our babies in the community. So with that, I'll yield the floor. So. I say, I say. Hey, you listen to the Fly Guys Show, the Fly Guys Podcast. We deal with uh, you know melanated topics, things that are addressing our community things that are influencing our community. We're always looking for strategies so we can provide some solace, some improvement to the people in our community. And that's why we have these conversations. Today we have the conscious filmmaker and journalist Raheem Shabazz from Elementary Genocide 1, 2, and 3. You can go to Amazon and you can watch it. You can watch it on his website. And if you haven't watched it, I tell you, it's a great show. I've seen all three of them. We actually showed 
one and two here in the Hampton Roads area a few years ago, and to a you know this a, a great wellspring of of support. So man, people love what you're doing, and we got to find some other ways to end the school to prison pipeline. So we talked about homeschool. We talked about becoming and involved in the affairs of men. You know, we've talked about making sure that we teach our children before they get to the school. But what are some other ways we can, you know, start working on making sure that our community together as one improves the situation so we no longer have the school to prison pipeline? Shay, what are your thoughts? You know, because I know that you're really heavily involved in the community. And then we're going to go back to Raheem because I know Raheem has some solutions as well. Uh, first, I wanna—I saw somebody ask for the name of the podcast again, so I wanted to repeat that. That was Fair, F-A-R-E, of the Free Child. Fair of the Free Child. Um, I think the politics, I don't think people understand. To me, it's history. Like, if we can get the community to understand the history then I think that goes very far because we'd still be enslaved if it hadn't been for the law and politics, right? So a lot of people don't like to get... At one point, I didn't want to be involved in politics. Um, But I see it as we are in a society in a situation where Uh, Like Brother Jones L was saying, we are the people and we have the power and we don't know that we have the power. So when you look at what Frederick Douglass did, when you look at what Sojourner Truth did, all of them interacted with the government, with the um, with the politic, with the politicians at large to get things done, to move things forward. And we have to do that first in our own, uh, in our whether it's your hood, whether it's your community, whether whatever you want to call it, your people, the people that you know on the ground, get with them and build up a consensus. And then those people take those people and y'all decide what moves y'all are going to make and make those moves together. And that's how change and progress comes. Words. Brother Raheem, uh, tap back on in, man. You're the the conscious filmmaker and journalist. You created Elementary Genocide 1, 2, and 3. Did you get to any any solutions in those discussions? Because I know like uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins loves giving solutions. I know that Brother Umar sometimes gives solutions. <laughs> uh, I, all right, they didn't come out right. But I'm saying, what, were there any solutions that were discussed? Unmute yourself, brother. Were there any solutions that were discussed in your Elementary Genocide docu-series? And we're live. Yeah, see, I don't know how to unmute myself. You got to do that. How do you do it? Yeah, see, yeah, I don't know see, how to unmute myself. You got to do that. How do you do it? Yeah, um, as far as solutions, um, the last 15 to 20 minutes is solution orientated in each documentary. Um, I didn't make this documentary as a financial cow. Um, in order to enrich myself all my life. Um, in fact, I self-funded the documentary myself. Um, but to answer your question, to answer your question as far as what other solutions that we can have, if we go back to what the sister said, she was talking about um, we got to study the history. 
and you know history uh, best rewards one's research so if we don't go back and research history then we'll see that um, our ancestors and those that um, came before us was actually against integration was against having others outside our community come in our community and teach um this is a little homework for everybody go online and look up um ocean hill brownsville protest this is where black activists like sonny carson and others took over the school system and they you know they shut down the school system in brownsville and they came to a census where if you wasn't black, you wasn't teaching in that school system. And um, it worked for a minute. But, uh, you know, the devil's a liar. And they came in and started saying that they were teaching anti-Semitism within the school system. And someone had put out a bogus flyer um, that had some anti-Semitism Semitism in there and they were saying that you know this is what they teach it in the school when it really wasn't um the mayor got involved but it this was uh, um it was almost like a pilot program they said okay you want to control the school system we'll let you control the school system you know what I mean in your district but when they when they give you these token uh, victories um it's what they call benign neglect where it look like they're doing something for you but they're really not because they'll tell you okay you can control the school system you want to teach this curriculum and y'all ain't control the curriculum but the money that's allotted to that district is not enough to run that district you know little things like that but if you go online and, and, and you um, do the research on um, Ocean Hill Brownsville protest, you will see that from way back, our our, our uh, parents and our grandparents wanted us to be in control of our education. And somewhere along the way, we we we, we lost that fight, we, but we didn't lose the battle because we're still fighting to this day. But you need to go and see the mistakes that they made. You need to go and see the underhanded tricks that was being played on them and make sure that that's not repeated. So, um, yeah, many solutions. Uh, there's a solution in the last 15 to 20 minutes of every uh, documentary. And um, this is more than just a documentary. It's a call to action um, within the solution. Is actionable things that we can do as citizens, as parents, as stakeholders in the community. Um, they all, all there, brother. All right, good stuff. Good stuff, good stuff. Uh, Brownsville, it kind of took me back to the world-famous Supreme team. Brownsville, Brownsville. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, um, we're coming to the end of the live, man. We're coming to the end of the conversation. So what I want everybody to do is just kind of give their movement. So we'll start with the uh, Shay All Day, Queen Shay All Day. Tell us about what you're doing to 
in the school to prison pipeline to your foundation and then we'll pass it on to brother jones l and then we'll pass it back to raheem shabazz and i'll close it out so uh shay all day queen shay all day what's good all right we are 360 citizens and we use literacy um, as the foundation to ensure that our youth are engaged, empathetic, and economically secure. So first you need to know uh, how to read. Then you use what you read to interact with your world. You use what you read to learn how to uh, be kind and respectful while still having good boundaries. And then you make sure you have the skills that you need to live because one of the issues that we have as a community is we're not building wealth because we don't know what to do with money. We don't understand how it works. And so we have a whole thing from from the beginning of uh, childhood all the way through adulthood is our goal. And we start with literacy. Right now, if you go to 360 Citizens, we're about to launch a black card. It is a discount card for Black-owned businesses in the Hampton Roads area. So keep an eye out for that as well. Thank you. All right. Good stuff, Shay. Good stuff. Shay all day. Shay all day. Uh, yo, so now we're going to move on to Brother Frederick Jones L, who's one of our new platformers. So, Brother Frederick Jones L, you know, let us know what your movement is, what you're doing, how you're uplifting fallen humanity, and the like. Yes, sir. Uh, true indeed. Uh, so, again, I'm Frederick Jones Hill. I am a member of the Morris Science Temple of America subordinate temple number five out of uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, There's three organizations that I'm a part of where I am here locally. The first one is called Being More United. All right. So it's a group of Moors from different Moorish groups, whether they're in the Moor Science Temple of America or not. The other group is called the Peacekeepers, which the name is is self-explanatory. We keep the peace in the community. And the second one is called Black Men United. All right. So we're united with them, even though, you know, you already know my uh, stance on the black demonstration. However, that doesn't mean that I can't unite with my people uh, who are in other groups. Now, some of the things that we do in the community is we advocate being involved in community affairs. It's very, 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 very important. So we push, we promote and we attend the various town hall meetings, all right, throughout Atlantic County, New Jersey. We go to community advisory board, all right, which is where you can go locally and uh, express what your gripes are in the community. We promote going to city council meetings, all right, going to school board meetings. So we promote being active in the community and we promote uh, just teaching your children in general. Well, being that the topic is about homeschooling, we promote uh, teaching the children at home, even you know, if whether or not uh, you're going to homeschool. So these are some of the things that are vital. And this is what we push. And also, too, uh, dear brother, if time permits, can I read a small piece from uh, Prophet Noble Drew Ali that relates to the topic, if that's permissible? It's permissible. Make, make it happen, bro. Make it happen, Captain. All right. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, so Prophet Noble Drew Ali, during the time that he was on the scene, he, he authored a piece that he wrote and put in their publication during the time called the Moorish Guide, all right? So the name of the piece is called Political Slavery. So it says, anytime a man or woman, anytime a man or woman, pardon me, fails or refuses to cast a sacred ballot at the polls, 
they separate themselves from all rights of an American citizen. It goes on to say, for surely this is one connecting medium for a citizen to his nation. He says they've become no more than belated beasts or burdens. There are reasons why certain classes who are more or less independent take no part in politics since they say they get nothing out of such in the way of material gain. This is no less than a political slave since they refuse to voice their sentiments at the polls. Another form of political slavery, which is probably more prevalent among the less independent classes and that of being forced into one of the major parties and their bribe, coerced or otherwise forced to vote the wishes of someone else, regardless of their own minds. Before, they can, before there can be general relief for the economic good of all, all forms of political slavery must be abolished and every citizen must take his part in the affairs of the nation. So essentially what Prophet Noble Drew Ali is saying is to get involved and don't and don't take for granted the the granted constitutional right to become active in your in your community affairs. We know that the 15th Amendment, which was ratified in the year 1870, gave all ex-slaves the right to suffrage, which is the right to vote. And we shouldn't take that lightly. Get involved. Our lives depend on it and our babies' lives depend on it. And with that, I yield. So. Jay, I say, I say, I say. And now we're going to go back to the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, like we used to say back in the day. Uh, Brother Raheem Shabazz, man, and we're going to place the Website It's up right now, elementarygenocide.com, so people can check out your content, your three documentaries. Um, give us a little about what you're doing now, brother, you know, what you're moving on. And, you know, please give all the information you can, how they, they can find you online and everything. And we're live. And we're live. Okay. All right. So... <laughs> It's good, it's good. All right, before I do that, I just want to um, give props to the brother, um, you know, the brother, because a lot of people, you know, when they are part of a certain uh, religion or organization, they make it seem like it's about their organization. The brother clearly stated, you know, um, regardless to whether you are more or not, we work with you. So I just want to tell the brother, I definitely respect that. And, um, that's one way that we uh, can stop the school to prison pipeline is by unifying ourselves. And one thing I always like to say is that we don't have to be uniform in our belief in order to be unified in our struggle. So I, I just wanted to shout that brother out. Um, to let y'all know what else I have going on besides elementary genocide one, two, and three, um, I ended it on three because, like I said earlier, um, we gave you the solutions. And if you didn't get it in one, two, and three, you definitely ain't going to get it in a four. So a lot of people ask me, when you coming out with Elementary Genocide 4? I'm not doing that. Um, I have other projects that I'm working on. Uh, one of them is called Contraband Flesh, and it's the uh, true story of Africa Town. That's another documentary I'm working on. Um, I have a book that should be out soon, and uh, the book is called Radical Hope in the 21st Century. Do we uh, succumb to our fear, or do we um, uphold the truth? So that that that's 
two other projects I got going on and I got a whole lot of other things happening in my life um, but each and every Wednesday you can check me out on uh, Necessary Blackness Podcast we're on iTunes we're on uh, Google Play we're on Spotify and um, just about every other streaming platform that podcast is on we're on that um, let's see what else I got going on some of the things I, I can't just put it out in the universe because I gotta wait till it comes to tuition because if you don't then people will steal your ideas and we don't want that but I, I just want to uh, read something I have posted in here um, and it relates to the school to prison pipeline it's something that I have wrote and it's just a little excerpt from it and I said if you're if you were lucky enough to avoid the school to prison pipeline and graduated from college then you enter the second phase of your life the debt to, to work pipeline in this phase you're paying back student loans credit cards etc etc and um, that is something that we as a people have to get in tune to becoming financially uh, stable and um, being able to sustain ourselves because freedom ain't free you know when we deal with politics you know we have to back them. In order to back them, you have to help them with their campaign, so you have to have money. You know, like uh, Coy Anderson says, you have to buy into the politician in order for, for them to do what you want them to do. And every other community is doing it. And um, I think that once we do it, and we put someone in office that has the black agenda at hand, then we might get some things done. We might even get that reparations passed. So that's it with me. And um, as far as uh, social media, you can get me on Twitter, you can get me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and everything is real simple. It's at Raheem Shabazz. I say, I say. Well, we want to thank uh, Brother Raheem Shabazz, and we want to thank Brother Frederick Jones L., and of course, Queen Shay all day. For hanging out with the Fly Guys show. Uh, so, we'll be back next Sunday. Next Sunday, we have celebrity chef Jacoby Ponder, and he has a great talk. And he's gonna, you know, the great topic is get out of your cotton picking mind, how we can get that uh, that slavery influence away from our people. It's, it's going to be hot. Get out of your cotton pick your mind. We want to thank Crumb from Crumb TV for allowing us back on the platform. And we want to thank all the fly folk who tapped in today. Uh, Shay Yu was real busy tonight. <laughs> Salute that queen. Salute Shay Yu. All right, as a matter of fact, I'm going to put one of her other comments up there. Shay Yu was real busy tonight. And we want to thank everyone else who tapped in and all the fly folks who had great comments and allowed us to move this going. You know, the Fly Guys show is our conversations about melanated information and situations so we can improve our situation. You know, and when we improve ourselves, we improve our situation. So that's what we're about. So I want to say peace to everybody who was on the show tonight. And I want to say thank you, everybody. Stay fly. 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 The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. 
Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> stay fly, stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay fly. Some jazz music with a little R&B flavor. What about some jazz music with a little trap flavor? Jazz and Caribbean. Hey, we mix it up. So, online, look for Grandpa Crunk. And enjoy the great jazz music. Grandpa Crunk. Jazz music. <laughs> 